0: Well, glory to God. It is a good day. A little colder outside, huh? <laughs> I still think it's plenty warm in here, but if anybody's putting a jacket on, make sure you tell, tell right back there. He'll help you out. There's a story told of a man who was taking a walk down a country lane when he came across a stone quarry in which there were a number of men working. He questioned several of them, several of them about what they were doing. The first replied irritably, Can't you see? I'm hewing stone." The second man he came up to, he said, I'm earning $100 a week. But when the same question was put to a third man, he stooped, he, stooped. he uh, picked up his, put his pick down, stood up, and he stuck out his chest and he said, if you want to know what I'm doing, I'm building a cathedral. It's a matter, many times, of how far we can see that what it is that we're doing and what the effects are. Sometimes we're just like the guys that were hewing Stone, we're just we're on that stone. Sometimes we're just like other people, we're looking at what this has benefited me for this week. And sometimes we're like the guy who looks at the whole picture and says, "What I'm doing is this is building a cathedral. This is building a church. This is building a house." This is, and we're seeing what it is that we're doing. Today we are finishing up this series and we want to Basically summarize everything, and so you don't have anything in your notes today, you just have a blank piece of paper, because just about everything I'm going to give you, you've already had. But we're going to go over it, and for some, t- some of the parts, we're going to hit this, and it's going to seem new. Make sure you write it down. It's important that we get hold of these things, and that we go over this. We started this series almost a year ago. We started out saying, we will always doubt something. Success is believing what is of God and doubting what is not. Success is believing what is of God and doubting what is not of God. The scriptures that we had, had looked at when we started this off came from Mark chapter 11, verse 22. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, or have God's faith. Have the God kind of faith. For assuredly I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. We saw that if we speak even to a mountain, and say, be cast into the sea. And if we do not doubt in our heart, but believe that the things that we say will come to pass, we will have whatever we say. We saw on this, the saying part was very important. But we focus first off on the doubting part. Success is believing what is of God. What God puts down in our heart, what God tells us in the Word, is what we believe. Doubting what is not of God. But many Christians have put it backwards and they doubt the things that God says and they believe the things that go on around them. They believe the things that they see and doubt the things that God's Word speaks to them. We told you in both speaking and praying, belief must exist when the words exit, not when the things happen. <laughs> belief must exist when the words exit. There are a lot of folks who get a hold of messages on Mark chapter 11 and believe, well, if I keep saying it, it'll eventually happen. If I keep saying it, I'll eventually believe it. And maybe it is true that if you keep saying it, you will eventually believe it. But there is no power in the words that you speak until you believe it. Because people have come into a wrong understanding of that teaching. There are many who go around and condemn people for their words because they uttered a word that they didn't believe and they pronounced on them. Well, you're going to have that then. You just set those things in motion. But I don't believe that. Don't matter. You said it. You're going to have it. That's wrong. That's not right. There must be belief in the things that you speak. There must be belief. So we've got to build up on the belief. I've got to build up on what the Word of God says is mine. What the Word of God says, I can change. What the Word of God says can happen. And if I build up on the belief and then begin to speak out of those things, that's where the change comes in. Many people have meditated on the problems in their life, on the failures in their life, and they speak out of that. For the Word of God tells us that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So put the abundance in the heart. Put the right kind of abundance in the heart. But the more we meditate on failure, then the more we speak out things about failure. The more I meditate that bad things always happen to me and then something bad happens, what comes out of my mouth? Well, there you go. Bad things always happen to me and I have belief with that, don't I? And so therefore, there's power in those words because I believe them. (laughs) Sometimes we've uttered something and we've got a nice, strong Christian brother or sister next to us and we just said the thing and they're smart enough to come up and they say, do you really believe that? And we think for a moment and said, no, I don't believe that at all. <laughs> and we didn't change our course. We didn't bring anything bad upon us. God is not looking to smack us as soon as we mess up. And Sometimes we think that. Sometimes we think, well, as soon as I utter one word that's wrong, one word that's that's out of line. God is just going to whip me into shape. That's not the God that we serve. That's not the God that we that loves us. We talked about the uh, doubting in your heart. And does not doubt in His heart, the Word of God says. And does not doubt in His heart. There is a difference between doubts in your heart and doubts in your head. There is a difference between doubts in your heart and doubts in your head. There are thoughts that come to our head, but the words that proceed from our mouth, that come from the belief of our heart, are the ones that are powerful. Sometimes a thought comes to our head, and we think about it and we reject it. Nah, that doesn't line up with the word of God, and then it's gone. There are times that we have spoken things, and with our heart we believe, but our head's having a hard time getting it getting uh, wrapped around that. So, right, believe in your heart. Then doesn't say what you have to do in your head. Don't worry about it if your mind can't put it all together. In your heart, you believe it. In your heart, you know it. Verse we just read to you. Luke 6, 45, A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Make sure you store up some good treasure. Store up some good treasure. Believing what I see and hear that is contrary to God's Word, turns thoughts into words. When I believe what I see and hear, that is contrary to God's Word, it will turn my thoughts into words. And I begin to speak those things because I believe them. The problem we so, so often focus on is the words. The problem is the belief. The problem is what's in the, in the belief of all that. That's where we have to, to change that. We did a, did one we called overrides. That there were certain things that would come into play and would begin to override what was already in operation. We looked at Jeremiah's words to Zedekiah. We had this in there. If I directly disobey a word from God regarding a situation. If I directly disobey a word from God regarding a situation, I am in. My words will have no power or effect upon that situation. If God comes to me and He says, "Do not do that, and I do it, I can speak all the words I want to. I'm in disobedience. I need to obey the word of God. In the story with Jeremiah and Zedekiah, we saw that Zedekiah went against the words that were spoken by Jeremiah, and no matter what was said after that, he went against it. And in that area, he's held up. We've got to make sure we get in obedience. Sometimes we have been in disobedience in an area of our, of our life and God has been dealing with us on it. And we've rejected His dealings. But then we see the bad results from it and we want to speak out over those things. And I, I command that these things go. You stop. You, we, we command these things and do all sorts of stuff. But we disobeyed. What do we need to do first? Repent. Change the course. Get it right. And then you'll have power to speak to that thing. We went into a looking at Peter. And we saw that Peter kind of did some things that were against this teaching. Because we, we, we took up the idea of what happens when we speak to something and nothing changes. Remember we asked y'all, how many times have you spoken to a situation and it didn't change? I think we titled that one, but I said it. But I, I went out there and I spoke against it. But I spoke to that thing. But I said this. But I commanded that. But I talked to that mountain. But I spoke to that tree. But I cursed that thing. And nothing changed. Nothing happened. Well, we saw that happen with, with Peter. When Jesus told Peter, when he told all the disciples, this night, you're all gonna forsake me. And out of all of them, Peter was the bold one. You know, they all said, no, 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 we won't do that. But Peter said, oh, no, 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 not me. No, I'll go, I'll die for you. And Jesus turned to him and says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the cock crows. And he denied it even more fervently. He's speaking the right words, right? Does he believe those things? Well, <laughs> I bet he did at the time. <laughs> I, bet be- I bet he had belief into those things that, that what he was saying. But you see, there was an override going on. Sometimes we have an override that, that happens. What was the override? Well, one override was they went into the garden and Jesus said to them, pray with me lest you enter into temptation. And what did they do? So they kicked in an override. They disobeyed the word of God. And then when it came time for that confession to have any power over them, didn't work, did it? If I directly disobey a word from God regarding a situation I am in, my words will have no power or effect upon that situation. But glory to God, you can correct it. Just like, just like uh, Peter did. He fixed it up. He got it going right. We said that flesh faith has natural tendencies. Because sometimes people don't recognize the difference between spiritual faith and flesh faith. All that matters is the flesh that comes from your spirit. Or the faith that comes from your spirit. Not the faith that comes from your flesh. But flesh faith, it has natural tendencies. What I see. What I hear. And what I feel. Everything is from the natural realm. That's where flesh faith will come from. Flesh faith is affected by the things that I hear people say. It is affected by the things I feel going on about that situation. Or I feel in my body. It is affected... By what I see. I see. I can see that. So therefore, this must not... And I, I don't put it all together. It's affected by the things that I see. It's affected by the things that I hear in the natural realm and the things that I feel. Everything from the natural realm. But that's not what, what spiritual faith is. Now, here's some words to watch out for. Remember these words we gave you to watch out for? If you have these words going on, you very well could be in flesh faith. Here's some of them. I have been, and you fill in the blank. I have been saying that. I have been doing that. I have been going that way. I've been listening to that. Another one. It should have, should have gone by now. This shouldn't be happening. Why didn't God, and you fill in the rest of the blank. Why didn't God do this for me? Why didn't God prevent this? Why didn't God, well, here's the one, we just were in this, topic again recently. I deserve... And you fill in the blank again. If you begin to hear these words, these words are... Their root is in flesh faith. It's based on what I've done. It's based on what I hear in the natural. It's based on what I feel. It should have gone by now. Obviously, it's not. I still feel it. It should have changed by now, but it's not. I still in this way. Because I'm basing it, what? Not on what the Word of God said, but on what... What I feel Philippians four and verse eight says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Those are the things we should meditate on. But what's the enemy wanted to try to get us to do? Meditate on this. How long you been feeling that? How long has that been going on? What did they say? What did you hear about that? How do you feel? He wants me to meditate on all these kind of things. And the more I think about that, the more I think about, well, I deserve this, I deserve better, they should have done this, they should have done that. And wrong feelings can come up on the inside. Not faith ones. Another way we looked at was Israel, Israel's unsuccessful attack. We saw that after they had rejected God's plan to go into the promised land, And then they saw, all right, we're going to be wandering around now for a while. They all said, no, 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 we're going to go in now. We're going to win and we're going to win. We're going to go and have victory. Let's go. Everybody, let's go. And they all went out and they all charged and they all failed. (laughs) And some of them died. Why? They had the right confession. It seemed like they believed what they said. They kicked in an override. You disobeyed what God said. God, for ten times God said, I've been leading you out. For ten times I've heard you say the wrong things and go the wrong direction and dis- disbelieve me and doubt me. Now I'm going to raise up another generation. See, once that kicks in, you can't just go out there and just start confessing over it. But we we took some time, we looked at the common components of both of these things. That first off, Peter and Israel both had hard hearts. They re- there was resistance to the truth of the Word. when God When Jesus spoke to Peter... And he told him, no, but this night you're going to betray me three times. What's he do? No, no, no. He's resistant to that. When Israel hears the words of Moses and Moses says, don't go up there. You're going to fail. We are not. They are resistant to the truth of the word. There's a denial of facts, faults and weaknesses in themselves. F- true faith never has to deny what's going on. True faith never has to deny faults, weaknesses, or anything in themselves. I don't have to say, well, I'm not weak there. True faith doesn't do that. we looked at Abraham as an example of that as we got further in that. But hard hearts, resistance to the truth of the word, denial of facts, faults, and weaknesses in themselves, and doubting of God's power and promises. Doubting of God's power and promises. You all have that in your notes uh, uh, from, uh, from before. You can go back there and look them up. If you keep them. The faith of God is of the spirit. It's not of the flesh. The faith of God is of the spirit. It's not of the flesh. Spirit faith. We focus on what Jesus has done. On not what I have done. Flesh faith is focusing on what I have done. but I have done. I deserve. But I did that. Spirit faith is focusing on what Jesus did at the cross. What Jesus. What victory he got. What his love accomplishes in us. That's what it looks at. We looked at the miracles of Elisha. The Syrians and the pot of stew. Remember the poison pot of stew? And he just took something. Fixed it up. And they and they said go ahead and eat it. <laughs> but it was poison just a minute ago. You did something that doesn't seem like it has any effect on it at all. I'll go ahead and eat it now. Really? How would you like to be the first one? See, spirit faith doesn't focus on what I've done. Flesh faith looks at, but look what you did to the stew. That's not going to fix it. But spirit faith looks at something else. When the Syrians came, flesh faith looked at the army that was surrounding the city. Spirit faith looked at the army of God that surrounded that army. Looked at later on, faith and believing is not so much a matter of persuasion as it is one of obedience. We are not always fully persuaded, but we are obedient. We can be obedient. I may not be fully persuaded. Well, God, I don't know about that. Is, is that really going to... All right, if you said it, I'll go ahead and do it. If you said it, we'll go ahead and do it that way. But I'm not fully persuaded. It doesn't matter. Did you obey? you got to obey. Father God, I trust you on this one. I mean, how many of you think that Moses understood how striking a rock was going to bring water out of it? You think he was persuaded? Oh, yeah, we can just go around striking rocks. Everybody get get a stick, strike a rock. No, but he was obedient to it. He obeyed it. And then things happened. And that's what we have to do. We then spent a number of weeks on this thing of recognizing tendencies. If I understand the tendencies of those who went the wrong way, I can recognize them in myself. We began to look at Peter. We began to look at Israel. We began to look at others who began to go in a wrong direction. We looked at some who started out right and ended up wrong. And some who just went the wrong way altogether. What we found was some common commonalities between them. You may remember this list. The first off, they tended to be critical of others. People who were going in the right direction and then veered off. Or people who were in the wrong direction and continuing on it. One of the first things you'll notice about them is that they are critical of others. One of the first things. It's hard not to be critical of others, isn't it? It just seems to want to grab hold of us. And we need to resist it. Is Jesus critical of others? That's the example we need to follow. So first off, we start off this way. Become critical of others. We then judge their motives without talking to them. The people who are going down the wrong path will first off become critical. They look at other people's things and become critical. The words out of their mouth, the words that they speak are why they were wrong. Why that wasn't right. Why that wasn't beneficial. Why this and what, so forth. And then they begin to judge their motives without even talking to them. Is that scriptural? Now we all know it's scriptural, but it's still so easy to do. We know that I'm not supposed to do it that way, but oh, it's so much easier. To judge someone's motives without actually talking to them. It's hard to go up to somebody and talk to them about their motives. I think I challenge you this way. If you can't go up and talk to them about their motives, then perhaps it's none of your business why they did what they did. Just a thought. Critical of others, they judge their motives without talking to them. Here's the third one. They blame others for their own problems, dilemmas, and shortcomings. If they keep on going down that path... They become critical of others. They judge their motives without talking to them. They blame others for their own problems, dilemmas, and shortcomings. If you don't have a job, if you don't have a good job, if you're not getting paid enough, we look at other people, we blame them for it. If we don't have this, we look at other people and we blame them for it. If they would have done this. If only they would have behaved this way. If only they wouldn't have said that. If only they wouldn't have gone that way. We blame others for our own problems. Dilemmas and shortcomings. We can't; These beast folks just don't stand up and say, you know what, that's just not something I'm real gifted at. God hasn't really given me the ability for that, for that one. But he has other people in the body of Christ and thank God for them. You don't hear those kind of words out of them. Generally, if somebody else is better at something than they are, they generally pickle them and put them down. Critical. Judge the motives without talking to them. Blame others for their own problems, dilemmas and shortcomings. And justify their own actions to those not involved. They justify their own actions to those not involved. Does this sound familiar? Remember us going over these kind of things? They go and they pull other people around and they say, this is why I did this thing. They don't need to know it, but they're going to justify their own actions to those who are not even involved. And they do this all the time. And then they get to the next one. And we saw a couple of examples in Scripture where people did this and hit the fifth step. Not everybody hits the fifth step. Boy, you hit the fifth step. You were really caught up in this. Here's the fifth one. They recruit allies. They recruit allies. Now you go down this direction, folks. You are out of spirit faith. You are in flesh of all getta. I mean, if you start off in flesh faith, now you're just flesh. There's no faith involved in it at all. You're just in flesh. <laughs> See, if we're in faith with the things of God, we're not doubting or fearful. Because fear is the opposite Of faith. And it's... What's the cure of fear? Everybody remember what the cure of fear is? 1 John 4, verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But who fears has not been made perfect in love. If I am in fear, I'm not in love. If I get in love... Fear is gone. Fear cannot stand before love. Can't stand. If I'm in fear about a thing, I need to walk more in love. I need to understand the love of the Father. I need to understand His love working through me. If I understand those things, the fear is gone. It can't stand. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So these tendencies, these five tendencies we gave you, these five steps that people take, they are not tendencies of one walking in love. And those tendencies pull you further and further from the walk of love. First off, start not being critical. That's not walking in love. You go back to 1 Corinthians 13. What's it say about love? Love is patient, kind. It just keeps on... Love bears all, hopes all, believes all. That's not that tendency. So the devil wants to get you going down the wrong road. He gets you going down that road. He disarms you in the area of faith. Spirit faith. And therefore, you are rendered powerless. We sum it up this way. Those who follow this way tend to be, first off, they criticize, they judge, they incriminate, they self-justify and recruit. They criticize, they judge, they incriminate, they self-justify, and they recruit. And they tend to be doubters of the things of God. They tend to be doubters of the things of God. We then went on to another area and looked at Jesus' words to the paralytic when He said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Remember He said that? And the Pharisees didn't like that and some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in His Spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves... He said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? We define the word reasoning as the act or process of a person who reasons, the process of forming conclusions, judgments, or inferences from facts or premises. The reasons, arguments, proofs, etc. resulting from this process. Now the Greek word here means to reckon thoroughly, to deliberate by reflection or discussion, consider, dispute, muse, reason, or think. That's what the Greek word means. When things are said, when somebody speaks something and it is outside the scope of my understanding, either reasonings or faith will take over. Now, let me tell you what it, what it means here. There's all kinds of things that go on in your house that you do not understand. How many of you understand how a microwave oven works? Do you, I mean, you understand the principle, I guess, that microwaves are shot through your oven. And you understand that don't put metal in there because it makes things go bad. <laughs> Sparks fly and, and every once in a while we we put something metal, not intentionally trying to test it out, just accidentally <laughs> forgot something, put some metal in there. And we saw firsthand, Mm-mm, don't do it. Now, I don't know why, because when I'm looking at the microwave, I don't see anything happening, do I? I don't see microwaves flying through the air. I just know if I put the plate in, I hit the button, it comes out hot. I don't understand all that it does in, in there. I, I, I'm not a microwave oven maker, scientist, or a person who does all that. I, I, don't, I don't do that. So when I when I put that in there, a couple of things are either going to go on. Either one, I, by faith, take it that it's going to work. And I don't sit there and reason out at all. I don't sit there every time I do it. Now, how is this going to do this again? Where are those microwaves coming from? Do I have to refill the microwaves? Do I have to go to the store and buy microwaves and put them in some special compartment so that it has microwaves to shoot out? I don't understand how the microwaves are going on. It, it, does it wear out eventually where there's no more microwaves? Does it pull them out of the air? Do I need those microwaves in the air that it's pulling out? And anyway, if I begin to reason all these things out, I come to conclusions that are off base, aren't they? Because my understanding is off. So I either can reason out and not use the microwave. How many of y'all know some people who reasoned out and didn't use the microwaves? (laughs) I don't want one of those things in my home. There's no radiation coming in here. I'm not eating that radiated food. And they've reasoned out and they're not going to do it, right? But there's other people who take it by faith and just put the food in, comes out hot. Put the popcorn in, oh, glory to God, making popcorn in a microwave, how much better is that? Then any other way that to try and do it, oh, it's just good. You just put that bag. Now it just comes in a bag. Put the bag in there. Hit the button. A lot of microwaves now have popcorn. Put the button for popcorn. It figures it all out. Just hit the button. Out comes popcorn. Oh, yeah, there you go. I mean, that's nice. We don't sit there and have to reason it out and figure it out. We just believe it. That's just going to work. It's just going to go. Most of us have no idea how our car works. And so we just get in and what do we do? turn the key and go. Do we sit there and figure out what's going on? How's this happening? Because if we figure it out and we understand that there's a whole mess of explosions going on under the hood right now. Explosions. Gasoline is being exploded. Gasoline is being exploded. And we can get ourselves into fear and reason that. Well, gasoline is exploding in the engine and that explosion goes all the way back to the gas tank and the gas tank blows up. I'm a goner. I could die. And so then we just leave the car parked out there in the driveway because we're in fear of, of dying. Why? We've reasoned it out in our heads. Wrongly. <laughs> Didn't we reason it out in our heads? We, we went beyond the part of our knowledge and understanding. We turned that thing on and got in fear. Well, we don't need to do that. We need to walk in a place of faith. But you are, in your Christian walk, you are going to come into places, come into things that go beyond your understanding. Will you operate in faith or will you operate in reasonings? When Jesus said to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, it went beyond the realm that the Pharisees understood. So they began to reason. What did the rest of the people do? By faith accepted it. Well, glory to God, his sins are forgiven. (laughs) What happens next? But not so for those guys. They got into reasonings. Didn't help them out at all. And so when those reasonings came in, what what did they do with Jesus? They became critical. They started down that path with Jesus. They began to criticize what it was that he was doing. When I allow criticism to permeate my thoughts and words, It not only corrupts what I hear, but also what I see. See, this is the downside in it. When I allow myself to begin to criticize the people that are around me. And how many you know there are certain people in your life that deserve criticism? You'll have some of those in your life? I mean, they deserve it. Maybe I'm not supposed to criticize, but they deserve some criticism. I mean, they're just really messing some things up. They're just not doing things right at all. It's bad. But as soon as I begin to do this and I begin to follow down this path, I don't, I judge their motives without asking them. As soon as I begin to follow down this path, what happens is I corrupt my meditator. I corrupt my hearer. And so from now on, when I hear people say something, because if you, you, you all know it, how many of y'all know super critical people? Almost every word out of their mouth is critical about something. You could say something, boy, does it look like a good day today. And what are they going to say? Something critical about the weatherman, how they get it wrong all the time, how tomorrow is going to be a bad day, how surely the good day can't hold out. Well, it's maybe it's a good day for you, but I don't like it. There's always something critical that comes out because this is how they've trained themselves. This is what they've done. So as soon as something comes on, them, they criticize it and their, their hearer, spiritual ear hearer is corrupted. So as soon as God begins to speak something to them, because of the corruption, they criticize it. And they do exactly like the Pharisees do. When they saw something good that was going on, they began to become critical of the word of God. And people, we can do the same thing. We can train ourselves to do the same thing. That's why, do not become critical of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't do it. It corrupts your hearer. It corrupts it. How many know what a muffler is? Muffler on a car. I know there's, there's mufflers you can wear too, aren't there? I think there's something like that out there. I'm talking about a car. I'm not talking about the other ones. Come on, I barely put a coat on. I'm not going to put a muffler on. (laughs) But, you know, you have that muffler and all those explosions that are going on, all the noise from the car, it comes down the pipe and the muffler silences it. Causes that sucker just to calm down. And when your muffler goes bad, how many of y'all know when your muffler goes bad? Oh, man, does it make an awful racket. You ever had somebody, I don't know, when we were growing up, one of the big things the kids used to do was to take the muffler off. <laughs> so, so the car made more noise. <laughs> so you could hear the beauty of that powerful engine going on down the street. <laughs> They'd like, say, take the muffler off. I had a car for, for a long while. You know, the, the Ford Probe I had was a phenomenal car. But it ate mufflers for lunch. It just destroyed mufflers. That's one of the things that the car would do. It just ate them up. And so after I got rid of the first one, I went to a place that had a lifetime guarantee and bought a new one. Lifetime guarantee. Had that car 16 years. I was in their shop a lot. And they had to keep replacing it. Of course, I found out they only guarantee the muffler, not all the other stuff. All the other pieces up to the muffler, you got to keep buying them. (laughs) That's just the muffler. Saved me about 80 bucks, but... (laughs) I kept having to buy all the other parts and it just kept eating these things up and eating these things up. And and once that thing became corrupted, then the sound that came from the car's engine changed. It changed. But the sound has always been the same. It just changed because the muffler became corrupted. It became corroded. When you allow your hearing to be corrupted by criticalness, Then when God speaks to you, that same criticalness takes his sound and changes it to where it shouldn't be changed. It wasn't that nice purr that you had in there. That nice, oh, there's a nice sweet voice from God. Now it's something different. We don't want to do that. Criticism will will take you down that way. And the devil knows this. That's why he loves to take people down this way. And they'll, they'll feel justified by it. Well, they're a brother or sister not walking the way they're supposed to be walking. They shouldn't be doing that sort of stuff. Not saying that you can't find fault in people. I'm saying if you do, take it the, do it the right way. Take it to the person. Deal with them and themselves. I'll be going over to Sister Whoever. Brother Whoever. True faith is based on hearing the things of God, not seeing. True faith is based on hearing the things of God, not seeing the things of God. If you corrupt your hearer, your ability to hear from God without criticism polluting it, if you corrupt it, you have problems. What happens is I've I become a qualified judge of everything I see and hear. And you watch a person who picks up this critical spirit, picks up this criticalness, and they keep on going. They follow that path we gave you. If they keep going that way, pretty soon they become a qualified judge of everything they see and hear. Everything. Whatever goes on, they are a qualified judge of it. And they always speak out what their judgments are. They become unteachable in their hearing. And unsubmitted in their living. And unquestionable in the scene. They've uh, put blocks up. And they don't realize it. They become isolated from gifts, from believers, and from the Holy Spirit. You get that critical part going on enough, you will become isolated from other believers. You will become isolated from the gifts that God has put in the body of Christ because they don't come through a perfect vessel. And isolated from the words of the Holy Spirit. My spiritual faith weakens. And my flesh faith rises up. Why? Because your spiritual faith is getting no food. The only thing that's getting food is flesh. Now belief is based on my understanding. The only thing I'm going to have faith in is the things that I understand. Because once I get beyond the area where I understand, reasonings kick in. Criticalness kicks in. Belief is based on my understanding of what I see and hear. We then looked at Abraham... In the one called Consider not. In Romans chapter four, verse nineteen. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was also able to perform, and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. He starts off And not being weak in faith. If you do not if you to not do as Abraham did, We'll make you weak in faith. We have to do like Abraham did. First off, he considered not. Now we looked at that and spent some time on it. There's two ways that you can look at the way the Greek is made up. One was that he didn't even consider that he was dead. The other one, which I thought had more uh, more water, was that he did consider it, but it didn't have a factor in the equation. All right, my body might be dead, but that's not a factor here. This is the promise of God. And not being weak, the word there, weak, means to be feeble, To be deceased, sick, or to be made weak. Consider comes from the the word to mean to consider attentively to fix one's eye on or mind upon. How many times have we fixed our eye upon? What he didn't do was he didn't focus on that fact, that hindrance to God's promise being answered and do nothing else. But, But I'm old. Now for a while he did it, didn't he? But I'm old. But Sarah's old. For a while, they did it. But eventually, he got to a place where he was in faith and he did not fix his eyes on this anymore. I understood, all right. I'm old, but I'm not fixing my eyes on that. I'm fixing my eyes on this part over here. The promise of God. The promise of God is... That's what I'm focusing on. I'm going to fix my eyes on the promises of God. Too often, we fix our eyes on something in the natural, something that's a hindrance, something that's a problem... You want a promotion at work and you fix your eyes on the fact that your boss isn't like you. You fix your eyes on the fact that the company is not doing well and therefore there's no money. You can fix your eyes on certain things. But here, Abraham had plenty of things that he could have fixed his eyes on and it says he didn't fix his eyes on that. He didn't fix his eyes on his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old or the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God. He did not waver. The word waver there is to discern, doubt, judge, be partial, stagger, or waver. To discern, doubt, judge, be partial, stagger, or waver. The root meaning is two. The root meaning of waver is two. To judge between two. To vacillate between two opinions or discussions. Abraham did not vacillate between belief and unbelief with respect to his difficulty and the ability of God to meet it. He's not vacillating. He's not going back and forth. For a while, he, we know that he did. He didn't get anything to them. But then he fixed his eyes on God and didn't keep going back and forth and back and forth. He didn't do that. For surely I say to you, Mark eleven twenty three. 23, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not... Doubt does not waver, does not go back and forth in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. That's what we're talking about here. It's that duo word that that comes in. Even in Matthew 16, verse 3, And in the morning it will be be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. We can sit there, and I can discern... That if it looks this way, it's going to be this way tomorrow. It's going to be this way later on. But I can't look at what the Word of God has to say and discern the future. Surely we can. So after we spend all this time looking at this road that Satan likes to get us on to try and pull us away from faith, and if you get on that road, folks, faith is hard. Faith is nearly impossible because you're in flesh, you're critical, your hearer has been messed up. You've got to get out of that way in order to enjoy the benefits that God wants you to have in faith. Get out of that criticalness. That's why the Word of God sternly warns us about being critical. We've got to be careful with that. From the road, we, we went over and we looked at the road back. How do we get back? If we have gone that way, how do we get back? And the first way is we're no longer bound by what we see. This takes sometimes sometimes to practice. Sometimes we've got to go around and we've got to practice some things. Have you ever wanted to become good at something? Didn't you need to practice it? Didn't you need to do it over and over and over and over? Oh, I didn't get that right. All right, I'll do it again. And you 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 do it again until you you get it right. We want to make sure we get it right. We're no longer bound by what, what we see. But if we follow that road, we are constantly bound by what we see. So I've got to get myself in practice and begin to start working on some things. I'm going to get out of this. I'm not going to walk this way anymore. I'm going to go this way. And I've got to get myself into some practice to get it going. No longer bound by what we see. There's some smaller things I can do to start working on that. To believe what we hear from the Spirit of God. When the Spirit of God speaks something to me, me, yes, sir. Yes, sir, I believe that. I don't get into reasonings. I don't fall into reasonings. I don't fall into that place to become critical of what the Holy Spirit has said to me, what He has shown me. Yes, sir, I believe that. Yes, sir, I'll go that way. I see that's from you. To believe what we hear, not my current understanding. I'm not bound by my current understanding of things. I'm not bound by my past failures. Not what I've seen with my natural eyes. I have to get out of that. I have to walk a different way. I have to let God paint a picture for me that what I see in the Spirit overcomes what I see in the natural. I have to let Him speak things to me in my spiritual ears that overcome the things that I hear with my natural ears. How many of y'all are hearing things with your natural ears that tell you gloom, despair, and agony on me? old Heal song, I think it was, wasn't it? Takes some retraining. I got to retrain myself to do that. I got to go in a different direction. We looked at it with the heart. When our faith is right, our heart faith, our confession is what is promised. When my faith is right, when I'm in spiritual faith, not walking that critical way, my confession is what is promised. When my faith isn't right, when I'm in head faith, our confession is what is promised and or. It's not just what is promised anymore. It is what is promised and or what is seen, what is felt, what has happened in the past, what others say, what I fear. So we'll say this. All right. Well, God promised me that all the things that I do, everything I set my hand to will be successful, but it hasn't quite gone that way. But that's not quite there yet. But I haven't quite walked into that yet. God has called me to be the head and not the tail. But people at work keep putting me down. People at work won't let me get ahead. See, that's when you're in head faith. You can tell right there. You're head faith. Head faith is just like Abraham did. And I think we use him as an example and went through this. God comes to Abraham and he declares the promise. And Abraham says, what good is that to me when I don't have an heir? <laughs> Oh, sure. I'm going to be a father of many nations. Oh, sure. I'll be blessed and riches. Well, what good is all that to me if I don't have an heir? If no one born to my house is not an heir? What's he doing? Confession? Promise? Okay, but I don't have any kids. And God had to get him out of that place to where he stopped confessing the promise and the promise, but and he had to get to him a place where he just confessed the promise. Yeah, I'm the father of many nations. Oh, yeah, how many kids you got? None yet. They're coming. They're coming. Whole mess of them, too. Let me, take, let me take you out and show you something. See the sand on the sea? That's how many kids I'm going to have. Just like they count them. Take them out at nighttime. See the stars? Count them. If you can, that's how many kids I'm going to have. They're going to number like the stars. See, he's talking the promise. He's not talking the promise End. As soon as you are talking the promise of God and you don't need anyone else to tell you anything more, you don't need the Holy Spirit to come down and give you any kind of revelation, you are in head faith. And we told you for a period of time we made made it a purpose. We're going to get you out of head faith and get you into heart faith. And I want you to have that understanding of what head faith was, what heart faith was. We looked at at uh, Peter when he was walking on the water. And then he began to sink. And Jesus said to him, and Jesus' words to him were real telling for us. Matthew 17, verse 20. Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I see to you if you have faith as a mustard seed. You will say that... This is a different, different story, but same thing. You could, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say that this mountain move and from here into there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing will be impossible for you. When Jesus came over to Peter and he's sinking in the water and he reaches out and grabs him by the hand and pulls him up, what does he say? Why did you doubt? The problem for Peter was not that there was not enough faith. The problem was the presence of doubt. And when he's out there walking on the water, he began to process things. He got into reasonings because after a while, you know, you walk in on water, you begin to reason. This is beyond my understanding. I don't understand how I'm walking on water. And then you begin to reason. And doubts come in. Because you're reasoning. There are some things, folks, we just don't reason. And people in the world are going to try and get you into reasonings. You're going to go out there and say what the promises of God are for you. And they're going to get you, try and get you into reasonings. They're going to throw things out at you. Try and get you into reasonings. And you know what you need to do? Just declare the promise of God. You are not going to make them understand. Because their spiritual ears are corrupted. They become critical. If you don't have God in this world, folks, it is very unlikely that you have not fallen into a critical spirit. God is the one that preserves you. Anybody loves pulling you down this way. Some just are more caught up in it than others. When the apostles came to to Jesus and said, increase our faith, he said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say that as mulberry tree be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it will obey you. So we spent a number of weeks on that aspect of it and then we left that and we went over to the part about being a forgetful hearer. Anybody remember that part? James chapter 1, verse 25, But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So the person that is blessed in what he does is the person who is not a forgetful hearer. One who is not a forgetful hearer is one who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. He forgets not, but he does. He's a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. So the opposite of one who forgets is not one who remembers. The opposite of one who forgets is one who continues. Continues. And so people who would say, but I did that for... But I had done that for... Months. But then what always happens? You stopped. At some point, you stopped. Because if you're going to say, but I did, that means you are not now. (laughs) You did. And he says, continue in it. Continue in it. Now, a forgetful hearer is not one who didn't hear. You heard. They may even be one who walked in it for a while. But they did not continue. We looked at some of the things what causes us to become a forgetful hearer. One was the difficulty of the thing we undertook. One was to be dissuaded, to deter by advice or persuasion. Persuaded not to do something. Another was disbelief. Another was disregard. Neglect. Lack of understanding. If there's a lack of understanding, we get into reasonings. And lastly, failure. I tried that. Or I'm already doing that. It's not working. Failure. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize and the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, that if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Forget some of those things that are behind. You can't change them. Keep going. You may have had faith failures in the past. You may have had times like Abraham where you had the promise of God. You kept confessing the promise of God, but you kept grabbing hold of areas and reasonings because of things you didn't understand or you have you were confessing, but confessing. And forget those things that were behind. Press on. Press on. We then went into, had to spend a number of time on, on that. We went into ex- Expectation. We had to look at godly expectation. Godly expectation had a couple of things for it, and we related it to a weather report. Remember that? If they're giving you a weather report and you're looking forward to that weather report, right now we're looking forward to a weather report of 82 degrees and sunny. Anybody looking forward to that weather report? Tomorrow, 82 degrees and sunny. I didn't say higher. I'm looking forward to like 95. Oh, yes. I love heat. I just love heat. Doesn't, doesn't bother them. But 80 is nice. You know, it's not... Even 75, you know, that, that, that's all comfortable stuff. It's, it's, but you look at that weather report. Now, there's surely no one in here is looking forward to the weather report of two feet of snow and plummeting temperatures, right? <laughs> Joe over here is looking forward to that. He can come over to my house and <laughs> dig us out too. Now, we don't always look forward to those things. Kind of, but when we, when we hear something and we're looking forward to it, there is anticipation. There is belief. If I believe that weather report is, is true, I mean I anticipate it. I believe it's going it's to be 82 tomorrow. I know it. They said it. There's confession. I go around and tell people, don't I? Don't I don't just keep it to myself? Did you hear what the weather is tomorrow? Oh, it's going to be a beautiful day. There's declaration. I'm declaring it. It is. It is going to be this way tomorrow, and I'm making plans. I'm going to the beach. I am going to the beach because it's going to be 82 tomorrow. And then there is desire. Isn't there desire? Don't we long? Oh, I am looking forward to that thing coming. Hmm. But you see, godly expectations are the same thing. There ought to be anticipation. A lot of times we say that we are expecting godly things to happen. And if there's anticipation on your face, I wouldn't be able to tell it. There, there doesn't seem to be much belief that you think that thing is going to happen. I don't see you confessing it to anyone. There's no declarations about what happens when it is 82 what are you going to do about it well you know just kind of go on you'd be no these things ought to be there anticipation belief confession declaration desire these things are a part of godly expectations godly expectations and so we need to have those things going on but sometimes you know the word of god comes to us and we get an expectation and and it's it's just short lived we just don't have it for all that long. Sometimes we have been in doubt and unbelief for months and months and months, maybe even years. And we think one or two times confessing the right thing is going to undo it all. If you have gone out into your yard and you have done nothing with it and the weeds have been allowed to grow and they, they have uh, multiplied so that you have many different types of weeds and they are very healthy. You don't have to do much to have healthy weeds. They just seem to find a way to be healthy wherever they are. It's the grass that's tough. So if you go out there and you neglect the yard for years, and then all of a sudden you decide, you know what, I want to have a good yard, so I'm going to go out and today I'm going to do this and tomorrow I'll have a good yard. That won't happen, will it? You've got to deal with all the seeds that have been in there. You've got to deal with getting rid of this, uh, the, these wrong seeds. You've got to cultivate the good ones. You've got to get in there and put in some, some good fertilizer. Put in some good grass seed. Kill the stuff that's there you don't want. There's some rooting out that needs to go on. But we don't have the patience for that. No, I got to hear a faith message. Oh, glory to God, I'm going to change this tomorrow. <laughs> you got to undo. There's some times some, some seeds. We spent a whole lot of time. We looked at a lot of different stories on that. If you didn't uh, don't remember those, they're all up there on the Internet. You can go back over and check them on out. It's going back over here to Mark chapter 11. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. As soon as you get to the part where you believe that the things that you say will come to pass, you'll have it. It's the weed seeds that have been growing to keep that belief to come up, to keep the doubt going up. You've got to go after them. Weed those suckers out. Get them out of there. Don't keep going in and being critical and follow down that path. Understand how that path affects you and how that path causes you to not have the Word of God of faith being able to be revealed in the inside of you. How that path causes you to be corrupted in your hearing. Straighten it out. If I say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and I don't doubt in my heart, it's going to go. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. There are some things we speak to. There are some things we ask for. The Word of God tells us that He has, He knows what we need before we, but we still need to ask because He has to have a right to do His will on this earth. He gets that by us asking because we are on this way, on this earth. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. We spent the last number six weeks on this. If you weren't here for that, I hope you go back there. Go up online. It's all there for you. Free of charge. Don't cost you anything at all. Just download it. Sit there listen to it. We'll do whatever you want to. But get those six weeks of this. Of looking at what causes us to have anything against anyone. Because if the devil can't get you into the critical way, he's going to get you into this way to have you have something against someone. Which generally, once he gets you to have something against someone guess what? You're critical. And He's got you into that path. All this stuff ties together. That's why I want to spend a little bit of time here tying it all together. Because we've been on this a long time. This all has to do with your faith. All has to do with your belief. The devil knows how to undo it. You can understand his, his methods and stop him. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in Heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in Heaven forgive your trespasses. Your prayers are hindered. We don't want our prayers hindered. We want the things that we speak to be obeyed by the things of this world. By fig trees, by mountains, by whatever else that we speak to. We know that the things that we ask, God will do. We have faith for it in His Word. Ask. And He'll do it. But if we are speaking things, declaring the promise of the God, but... Well, I know that God said, I am this, but... We're in head faith, folks. We're not in heart faith. And God wants us to get to where we believe in our heart. And do not doubt in our heart. The battle is in the heart, not in the head. Satan wants to get you to move into the realm of the head. And battle there. Because he can beat you there. He, But remember the arena of the heart? You get him in the arena of the heart, you'll win there. If he pulls you into the arena of the head... He's got you beat. He's got you beat. Because you can't reason out all the things of God. It's beyond our understanding. We don't have to. Just with your heart, believe it. Don't get into reasonings. God's going to speak some things to you that are beyond your understanding. Abraham can come out and say, Dear Lord, how in the world can I have that many kids? Don't worry, it's beyond your understanding. When God says, Through you, I will bless all the nations of the earth. He could be sitting there saying, How in the world? And Am I going to be able to bless all the nations of the earth? I'm just one God. You've called me to have one land and be a nation here. And that's great. But how can I bless all the nations of the earth? That's beyond my realm of reason. I cannot figure that out. And he can get pulled right out of it. God didn't say understand it. He just said, believe it. You don't have to understand the things you believe. You just believe it. Have faith like a little child. When you say that you're a little child... Mommy, Daddy's going to do that for you. Does your little kid try and figure out, well, how are you going to do that? No, if you tell them, tell that little one, we're going to do this, we're going to go there, do they try and figure it all out? No. They just go out there and they say what? (laughs) Daddy said we're going to do it. (laughs) Mommy said we're going to do it. That's all. They don't even understand. Well, how are they going to do it? I don't know. They just said they're going to do it. (laughs) And if you try and get that child into the area of head faith, in that in that thing, and try and get them in a spot to try and figure it all out. Well, how are they going to? You know what's no? They said they're going to do it. Because yeah. how, how do you know that's going to happen? Because Daddy said so. Right. That's what we need to get to with God. If it goes beyond our understanding, glory to God. Just accept it. But be careful of the overrides. Be careful of the overrides. Don't kick something in the in the bean when God has said something that I have the understanding of. And God says, don't do that. And I go ahead and do it anyway. Kicked in some overrides. I hope we spend some time meditating on these things. Get this stuff down. This will help you out. The Word of God is a big package. It's not just a bunch of little teachings. It all works together. It all fits together. I hope we can begin to see some of that. We're going to be moving on to some other things. And there next week, we're going to be doing something different. But um, it's important that we don't doubt in our heart. We have faith to believe. Do we understand the words that we say can be powerful if I have faith to believe in them? If there's no faith with those words, the words have no power at all. But if there's faith to believe those things I say, they'll come to pass. Whether the things be positive or whether the things be negative. Please understand that. If you have faith to believe it, you can bring them about. Because that's what the kind of power God has put into our words. Let's learn it more. Let Him help us understand. Would you all stand up please? Father, we thank You for the power of the Word of God. We thank You that those words have come down on the inside of us, that through the Holy Spirit we gain understanding of the things that You have spoken, of the things that You say. But there's areas where You speak some things and we have no understanding. We resist the area of getting into reasonings. For they're just the seeds of doubt. We resist the area of falling into the criticalness of our brothers and sisters. What's going on? Because we've realized that just corrupts the path where faith comes by hearing the word. Father, I thank you for the help that you give us. That we can become ever more powerful. Ever more influential. In the things of faith. I thank you for it. What you have promised us, we believe. You don't care. You don't even say in there about what method we use. Just believe it. Father, I thank you that we can we can do that. You desire good things to come to your kids. You desire desire that the things that we do would be blessed. You desire that we be healed, set free from things that would cause us to be in bondage. You don't care about how it happens. You just want us to be set free. The method doesn't matter. The end result is important to you. Father, we thank You that any method that we see in Your Word that we have faith for, we can bring about. We thank You for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.